Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of The Block. All right. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Today we are uh, broadcasting to you live from my kitchen. This is our first uh, in-person podcast, and uh, I'm happy to see everybody's face. It's a um, pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, joining me on this evening here in my kitchen, I got uh, Nicholas. Hey everybody, how's it going? Um, Peter. Hey guys, glad to be here finally. And uh, for the first time on the blocks, we got a special guest joining us tonight, Justin. How you doing everybody? <laughs> uh, uh, doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing, doing awesome. good. Fantastic. Huh? Glad to have Justin here with us. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Yep. Justin so, Justin set up all the uh, the audio recording, so a little round of applause yeah. for him. Yeah. 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 Thank you much very appreciation. Much. Yeah. yeah, no worries at all. Possible without you, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, just one quick note too. Um, Ian unfortunately is uh, not able to join us tonight. He's uh, taking the week off, but uh, hopefully he'll be back with us in a couple weeks and. We would uh, get an update on Elden Ring from him because I know he's been deep in that and he's having a good time with it. Looking uh, forward to hearing more about that from him, yeah. Sure, absolutely. So uh, let's jump right into it here. Um, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Blocks podcast email and uh, we actually got a couple this week finally after talking about it for a while. Nice. Um, so just a reminder to anyone out there that wants to email us, it's... Peter, do you remember what it is? The Blocks Podcast at gmail.com. Wow, perfect. Perfectly got done. It. Absolutely. Okay, so here we go. The first email we've ever gotten comes from Andrew, who did not say where he's from. Could be from anywhere. And he says, Oh God, I hope I'm the first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations, Andrew. You were the first person to email us. So there you go. You get to hold that true to your heart. You have been our first. Mm. And what do they say? You never forget so, your first. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So Andy also has the, uh, the honor of being our second email. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so he actually gave us some, some feedback in this one, which was pretty cool. Andy says, uh, or Andrew, I'm going to call him Andy, why not, you know, but uh, Andrew says, episode three was a solid improvement, um, he said switch, switching up the order of the blocks would be a good idea, and uh, he'd enj enjoy hearing us maybe talking about how we might do that in a segment, so, um, but yeah, j we did switch it up a little bit this week, we actually are going to start with Peter, Oh so wow! usually okay. he goes on the tail end, so. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so we'll be doing that this week. Uh, next email comes from Anthony, and he wants to know uh, the age-old question. It's uh, one that we requested from the people. Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So he wants so, to know what we think. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. And a hot, so, a hot dog's a sandwich, but... Who's going to the store? Who's going to the sandwich shop to go get a hot dog, though? It is a sandwich. Oh, okay. By definition, I suppose. All right. All right. More controversy. Is it a taco? Uh, 
if, put, if you put a slice of cheese on it, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't a taco have to be in a hard shell or a soft shell? Well, bread is soft. You could consider bread like a soft shell taco. On like, it's, if you're thinking it's about a soft taco. flour yeah. slice of bread. Does a t- <laughs> but does a taco is a taco a sandwich? I mean, I would classify it as a submarine. Yeah. So I guess yes. Yeah, yeah. Submarine is a classification of sandwich. Sure. Sandwich is the generalization. Sure. I'll but give you that. The best point that I've heard uh, for it not being a sandwich is the point that Justin just made, where he said, if you go to a sandwich shop, you would never, ever see a hot dog on the menu. Mm. And, you know, can't argue that. Yeah, true. Can At you, least okay. I would hope that I wouldn't see one. Can you put salt, pepper, and oil on it? That's the question. <laughs> sure, I mean, you could put that on anything, I guess. Mm. You, you could. <laughs> salt, pepper, and oil. But do you put salt, pepper, and oil on a sandwich or a sub? Uh, more more a submarine sandwich. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I've cracked some salt and pepper on a salt and know, pepper on a square sandwich. Yeah, not not so much oil. Oh yeah, not. Oil. <laughs> yeah. Let me get that pastrami sandwich with salt extra and pepper oil. and oil. <laughs> <laughs> extra oil. <laughs> okay, all right. So moving on to our last email this week. This one is also from Andrew, and Andrew wants to know. <laughs> Does Peter have a blue car? Do I have a blue car? I used to have a blue car, but that was years ago. I do not have a blue car currently. And I have wow. not had a blue car for several years. But that's actually an interesting question because when I was younger, I had several blue cars. Like, one model car, then the next, and they were both, like, dark blue. Wow. I think uh, Andrew was, like, channeling some... Type of weird energy yeah. towards you. That's an interesting question. <laughs> now, what about the motorcycle? Is that blue? No, not oh, at all. Okay. That's tan with like an orange stripe on it. Aha. Uh-huh. Wow. So. so, yeah. Andrew, hope that answers your question. Uh, again, if uh, people want to email us, they can send us an email to theblockspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you, everybody who sent us emails. We appreciate you. Yes, much appreciated. Um, so now let's jump into a couple of group discussion things. Uh, I wanted to give, um, everybody an update on the draft that we did last week. Excuse me. No problem. So, um, so yeah, I had, uh, there was six of us over here. We all, uh, cracked open some packs of the new MTG or Magic the Gathering set, uh, Kamigawa, Neon Dynasty. Um, and, uh, so yeah, our friend Logan... Won it. He went five and zero. Oh. Um, Ian was uh, in the mix. He actually went four and one. Okay. So he, yeah, he, he did pretty well. Um, I I think I did the worst of the night. I went zero oh and five. Pretty terrible. Ooh. But, yeah, uh, I I didn't actually have to play my last game because I wasn't in the running or even close to it. So I just opted out. I was like, it's not even worth it. There isn't a chance. I'll just play a game for fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, you played a bunch of games for fun, right? Yeah. Like in between My games matches. were over really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good time, though. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Justin, you have, uh, have you played Magic at all? Yeah. Or interested in anything like that? Many years ago, I had a, you know, I hopped on the train with my friends. I had a lot of friends, as I currently do, who play Magic. And uh, 
Uh, I had a little collection going on for quite a long time, but I'm not well versed in the Magic the Gathering universe. Gotcha. Uh, so I rely on you and everybody else heavily to understand the game and, and the following as much as possible. So. Sure. Yeah. You're not alone, Justin. Same here. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's something we're going to do with the next set, too. Something that we do pretty often. Uh, did you want to add anything about the draft? No, it was it was a good time. Nice hanging out with everybody and being able to see what everybody threw together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to say, too, that that was the most efficient that we've ever been. Like, we're in and out of here in, like, four hours. Yeah. We, you know, everybody cracked their, their shit, built their deck, and... Uh, it was it was a good time. Yeah, but yeah. So how how many people were there? Because yeah, that sounds really efficient. There were six of us. Okay, yeah, so, that's pretty impressive, yeah. I would think. And four games is I think what most of us played. There were a few that had to play five. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it, yeah, it was very efficient. Yeah, it was pretty exciting too. It came down to the wire because you know um, Ian or if Logan would have lost his like last game it would have tied and then same thing ian had a chance to match him too so okay it was actually pretty exciting i was hoping for a like a tiebreaker match but didn't end up coming down to that sure but it was pretty it was fun um so just one other quick note i wanted to talk about a couple you know a couple upcoming nintendo things that i'm extremely excited about i know you know peter probably is too just kidding. <laughs> no, but I love Ian, hearing I love hearing the uh, the enthusiasm, and I'm always interested in getting the updates. Sure. So I'm really looking forward to uh, on March 18th. There's a new set of Mario tracks coming out, or uh, Mario Kart tracks coming out. I believe it's a pack of eight. So you know the uh, the game. I really enjoy it. I put a lot of hours into it, but it's gotten a little stagnant over the years. So is that part of the new um, like big? I think like 48 track or whatever DLC that they're doing. It's yep. starting like that soon. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're releasing them in like six waves. And nice. I think this is the first one. So yeah. So it's going to, it's going to refresh the game up a little bit. You know, you can tackle those head on or if you jump into online play, they'll mix them in with all the other existing tracks. Yeah. So, um, I think it'd be cool if they had a section where you could just do like ranked play with the, with just the new tracks. Um, I agree. But, uh, Hey, maybe that's what they'll do for us. That yeah. They'll, they'll allow us to jump into new tracks only type of thing, even though there's only going to be eight for now. Yeah. Um, What's the resolution to what you guys were discussing in uh, a previous episode about uh, the value of what you're buying and what you're getting? Meaning, do you get X number of tracks uh, for this much today, then you got to pay another couple bucks to get the next set of tracks? Yeah, so uh, I believe it's just twenty five dollars for the whole package. Yeah, yeah. And then if you want to subscribe to like their online deal, you can get them all for free. Gotcha. Without you know, that's like sixty bucks a year. Yeah. You know, if if it's something that you subscribe to anyway, it's a pretty good deal. Gotcha. Yeah. In order to play online, you need to have that service anyway. Yeah. So it to me to pay the little bit extra, it actually makes a, a bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> With yeah. all the extra benefits of like the N64 stuff and the NES, the Super Nintendo, all of that comes with it as well. 
So you mentioned uh, pay a little bit extra. Do you mean you need to pay an extra subscription on top of Nintendo Online for the uh, Mario Kart tracks? Yes. Oh, it's, so it's it's the the Nintendo Online service plus their expansions, which comes out to the oh, okay. sixty dollars that it is for the PlayStation Network or um, Xbox Live. I'm pretty sure is still that. Um, so I uh, it's it's kind of funny. I haven't used my Switch in months, but I forgot to turn off my auto-renew. So I actually, on December, I renewed my Nintendo Online for an entire year. For so 20, I'm going I'm to have that for a while. For 20 bucks, Or did you get the, like, the more expensive one? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I think it probably was the more expensive one. Because it's normally like $5 a month, right? Or no, 20 Oh, did you, have, did you sign up for the monthly subscription? I got the yearly. It, re- okay. it billed me for an entire year, but I think it, it was more expensive. just be 20 bucks for the year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I have to look at that again. I think I got charged more than that, like, for a 12-month period. But all I know is I've got Nintendo Online for 12 months, and I was just wondering if that would be enough for me to play these tracks or if I'd need to buy something more. Sure. Um, I think there's pretty good value in the online package. Like you said, if you get the, the regular online play plus the expansion... You know, there's a ton of good value there with the bon- with the N64 games, mm-hmm. and they have Super Nintendo, they got Sega, there's all kinds of different systems. So. Yeah. So I, I just double-checked, and it, it's only uh, it's only $50 for the 12 months with the expansion pack. Oh, I think in, that's what instead, I got. Then. Instead of $60. Uh, okay. The original online itself, it was 20 Okay. So they upped it $30. Yeah, I think I got the 50 sounds about right for what I got charged, so maybe I'll be able to just play these Mario Kart tracks automatically, since I've yeah. already paid for that. What's funny is I had a Wii U, and I had Mario Kart for that, and I used to play online <laughs> against Tim, and I got so sick of uh, getting beaten all the time <laughs> that I, I, that thing went in the trash, you know? <laughs> so here I am, a Switch user. I have the... Uh, subscription, the online subscription that you're discussing now and it, it's kind of cool to know that if I went out and decided to face Tim again at Mario Kart I'd have access to all these uh, tracks mm-hmm. So and, have, yeah. and from the beginning you're going to be on even footing because you'll know the courses just as little as he will <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. yeah. I, I give that a day <laughs> yeah <laughs> So you you have Mario Kart for the Switch? I don't currently. Gotcha. But knowing what we talked about, I think yeah. that it's something that makes me want to go out and get it. Sure. Know, and get it might work. it's so old now; it might be potentially you know cheaper than a full priced game. For or sure, for sure. Yeah. Big shout out to Bullnose. I feel like I could walk into that place and get it for a pretty discounted price and mm. uh, even it, used. Exactly. A used cartridge, as long as it it works. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't man. need it brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I've, I've talked about Bull Moose several times on the podcast before, too, so I'm with you. Shout out. To yeah. A great company. Definitely. Uh, if you're listening, maybe shop online, get something, support local main business. BullMoose.com. Yeah, baby. Um, so, uh, all right. The other Nintendo thing I wanted to cover is just that uh, the, the new Kirby game is coming out uh, March 25th. And uh, this game looks really cool. A lot of people are hyped up about it. Uh, I don't know if anybody here is... I know Nicholas is excited. Have you guys seen videos on it or anything? I haven't, uh, I haven't seen any of the 
features of the new game, but I was definitely a classic Kirby player back when. So yeah, since I go on Nintendo, so sure. I I have it. I have it pre-ordered, and it oh, it looks almost like uh, Mario Odyssey that came out years ago for the Switch, but it's just Kirby. <clears throat> and he's the strongest Super Smash Bros. player. So <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. The hand didn't catch him, dude. Yeah, truth, truth. The hand didn't catch him. The, there's like some, uh, yeah, there's some theory out there that if there was a, a face-off, yeah, between all Nintendo characters, that he would end up the winner. Oh, okay. D- you know, due to people that have too much time on their hands arguing about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool but, to know, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, that's all I have for group discussion. Did you guys have any topics that you wanted to talk about before we move on to the block section? Um, just because it's like pretty brief, I'll just tie that in with this game sure. coming out. Yep. It's actually, um, I had a discussion with some other friends recently mm-hmm. uh, about a game called Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Yep. It's just a Monster Hunter game, and uh, it's actually available, even though it didn't originally come out, I think this system it's available on the switch so mm-hmm. i'll probably be picking that up and i'm really looking forward to that um, so yeah while we're on the topic of monster hunter you're mm-hmm. a fan i've always been curious about monster hunter stories do mm-hmm. you know anything about that so I, yeah. i've never played them but uh my friend who's really into monster hunter has played mm-hmm. them and he says it's actually pretty good mm-hmm. um it's definitely designed for younger players but i mean he gets enjoyment out of it and Mm -hmm. he's you know he's a grown-ass man so i think you'll find something of value Mm -hmm. it's 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 a very uh i think rock paper scissor heavy gameplay um and but it's not totally random because each monster you fight kind of has certain patterns and tendencies to do certain things Mm -hmm. so there's ways that you can like succeed and like get a greater than 33 percent um like correct guess rate i guess if that makes sense and that does that game have turn-based combat yeah mm-hmm. and is it similar to pokemon like you can catch monsters and have them fight on your team yeah that's a, a that's probably like one of the selling points is that mm-hmm. um in normal monster hunting games you're just going out and killing the monsters and like taking their parts and making weapons so you can kill the monsters faster uh in this game you're kind of like capturing them like you beat them into submission and then they kind of fight with you and they each have like special moves that are very cinematic mm-hmm. and that's kind sure. of like one of the drawing points of the games, I think, is seeing those cinematic animations for each new monster and their yeah. like ultimate move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always been curious about that game from afar, but mm-hmm. it's just you know, have there's been always more other things that I'm interested sure. in playing. So, yeah. but yeah, I always thought that looked pretty cool. All right, so with that being said, I get we'll jump into the blocks section of the podcast here. So. Just a reminder, this is the, the time where we're all going to get a small, you know, maybe 20 minutes or so to talk about any topics we're interested in. And uh, like Andrew from the email requested earlier, we're going to switch up the order a little bit today. And, uh, you know, I always feel like we're always cutting Peter off since he's at the <laughs> end of the podcast. And so today uh, I figured we'd start with you. Sure. Um, so that being said, uh, what do you got for us today? All right, well, um, I've got a couple things. Uh, first, I'll just start with um, the fact that I've been kind of doing some digital illustration, which is just drawing on a, uh, on a tablet, and it gets translated onto an image on the screen of the computer, you know. 
Um, I've been using... I've been doing it for like the past two or three weeks pretty intensively once I'm done with my schoolwork and whatnot. Um, it was... It's been an interesting experience. I started off using Photoshop, but I found that that's honestly better for photo editing rather than like image creation. I actually switched to a free uh, application called Krita, K-R-I-T-A, um, which is kind of designed for people that want to do illustrations and just kind of do the equivalent of just drawing on your computer, you know. And I've been liking that a lot more. Um, it's funny, just switching to that, even though I haven't really gotten any better as a beginner artist, my art looks just better. Like, the lines are smoother instead of very, like, jagged, you know. Um which was a problem in Photoshop. And before I started doing this stuff digitally, I was just kind of sketching in a sketch pad with a pencil, a mechanical pencil, uh, where my lines were like way better than what was in Photoshop. And so, yeah, I swapped from Photoshop, which is, you know, like an expensive paid program to Krita, which is totally free and I think open source, I think. Um, and my art scene an improvement. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if anyone's looking to get into doing that, I would highly recommend Krita. It's got some shortcomings, like once you've drawn an image, it's definitely not as easy to edit it, maybe like warp something here, blur something there, um, as in Photoshop. But just for getting lines down onto a page, and especially for selecting colors, it's way better than Photoshop. With Photoshop, for example, selecting colors, it's just like this big gradient square and you just have to guess correctly. Whereas with Krita, it's actually like a triangle where one side of the triangle is black, another side is white, and then the third side is the, I should say corners, first, second corner, and third corner is the color you selected. And then there's three sliders that have different gradients. Like one is um, darker and lighter, one is like saturation, so washed out versus more vibrant. And then I think the third one might be like complementary colors or something. Mm -hmm. But they make it really easy. Like your lines look good. They make it really easy to pick the exact color you want that's appropriate. Like when you're doing shadows and stuff and shading. Um, so I've been having a really good experience with that. I'm really impressed uh, with it for a free program. Uh, so I would highly recommend Krita. Um, so a couple of questions. Is, uh, is Photoshop, uh, you know, this is me being totally ignorant, but... Um, isn't that meant to like import photos and stuff like that and edit them? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at when I said um, Photoshop is more for definitely designed. While you can create art in it just fine, it's definitely, from my perspective and experience, more designed for image editing rather than image creation. So as you said, you put an image into it and then you just work on an image that's already been made. So are you drawing like with a pen on your iPad? Yeah, so uh, I don't have an iPad. I've got a tablet, which is like this, like, I don't know, it's like a flat surface that's pressure sensitive. And you have a pen that's basically got like a plastic tip on it. Yep. And, and there's like a little chip inside the pen. So like when mm -hmm. you hover the pen over the flat surface on the tablet, yep. the tablet like senses where the pen is. And then when you press down, <laughs> it senses how hard you're pressing down. So that's how you kind of get like... Remember those kids' toys that you would draw on and it would like the magnet would draw the the black like powder that was magnet doodle yeah oh is that what it was oh, called yeah. okay yeah i remember that, that reminds and they had like shapes you could stick on there oh that's kind okay. of funny that's like uh was that the one with the knobs where you had like two knobs and one brought it no, up and no, down? No, that's that's the etch -a -sketch. Etch -a -sketch. Yeah. okay okay yeah yeah 
No, gotcha. this is something different, but uh, yeah, pretty funny. I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Uh-huh. But I'm curious. What what did you say? What kind of images? I think I've asked you this before, but what kind of stuff are you into drawing? Yeah, I'm into just drawing people. Um, sure. Just in like cool in the poses. Nude? In the nude, yep. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah. I mean, I've I've been doing that mainly just because that's how you learn how to like. You got to learn how to draw the body underneath the clothes, or, or it just won't really look right. I mean, you can. You can eyeball it and get away with, like, the average person won't be able to tell. But if you don't learn how to draw, like, the nude mm-hmm. body, just the way clothes sit on people and, like, if you're drawing them in any sort of pose besides standing straight up, it's just not going to look right. Yeah. It's going to look a little off. So, but yeah, mainly just, like, figures and doing different things, like, maybe, like, uh, dancing or, uh, like, in a fight or something. I haven't done that yet because that would be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. This is great. Maybe you can make us uh, some some cover art for sure. our for our podcast yeah that'd be well, sick well i'm confident enough to put it out there definitely yeah. if, the, if yeah. we still need some mm-hmm. some cover art yeah we don't even need a human on there it could just i don't know be something pretty easy but yeah and like so once i get better at drawing humans i'll probably um look into doing like landscapes like background kind of things yeah to make the images more interesting mm-hmm. to look at yeah do you have an end goal in mind? Or is this a hobby? Or are you trying to make it a career eventually? Literally, I'm like deliberately not trying to make it a career. Yeah. Because like I've seen people try to do that, and it does not seem like a very fun <laughs> thing. I'm totally happy to just like make my career my career. You know, like what I'm going yeah. to college for. I'll, sure. I'll, uh, that's what I'm going to use to make money and put food on the table. Yep. Um, I'll definitely share my art when it gets good enough, but that's just because like. I consider that kind of like giving back because I mean I like looking at other people's art I mean maybe they probably feel it's not very good but they still go out on a limb and share it anyways and I mean I enjoy it so who's to say someone won't enjoy whatever I share even if I don't think it's that good yeah so I have kind of an embarrassing story when I was in middle school Uh I actually drew this like the most terrible artwork just like a pencil and paper sure it was like I I did the same it was like these Dragon Ball Z style characters, you know, with like the triangle eyes and the, oh, yeah. the, like the triangle nose. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was just terrible. Well, basically, I drew this like like a manga kind of style from I forget the guy the the guy's name, but like the mm-hmm. I think they're called mangakas. The mangaka that made Dragon yeah. Ball Z. Sure, he's he's the same guy guy. that does the characters for Dragon Quest. That's right. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but but yeah. Um, but anyway, I I drew the, these characters and scenes where they were basically, when when they got to the place that the Dragon Ball was, it would be like them underwater and it'd be like in a clamshell or something like oh, that, okay. just something so. <laughs> and I was actually feature, featured as an artist of the month one month. Awesome. And they hung up my drawings in like this case in the middle school for everybody to see. That's cool, dude. Oh man. I'd like to have a look, but I understand <laughs> if it's very embarrassing. Oh, I don't even think I have them anymore. Oh, okay, just, okay. Yeah, some... I don't even know. I never <laughs> asked for them back. I was totally embarrassed by it. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you mentioned that program, yeah. uh, you were talking about how, you know, if you were shaky with your lines, it kind of auto-corrects, if you will. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that helps you be more creative or, or even more successful in your drawings and be less subconscious about uh, creating things that you wouldn't have before? Is that a tool yes. to utilize in that regard? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a part of it is, you know, I have 
a $100 tablet, and I would say that's on the lower end of cost. Yeah. Cheaper tablets will be more prone to giving you shaky lines. The way you can test that is you like take an actual ruler, put it on top of the tablet, and then just drag your stylus pen over it really slowly, though. You got to do it really slowly. And if the line that appears on the screen is shaky, you know you've kind of got like a lower quality tablet. Sure. And I think mine is sort of like that, so you kind of got to be quick with your with your lines. Um, and then you also got to use some like line smoothing, which like Krita has way a way better line smoothing, I guess, algorithm or code mm-hmm. than Photoshop does. Um, but yeah, that's like something that really made me enjoy looking, just enjoy looking at my own artwork way more. Because yeah. now like the lines are like a smooth curve rather than like, you know, like yeah, a, a squiggly curve. <laughs> that tools like that is super important mm-hmm. and it helps you be more creative and defines the lines between being you know i gotta be super professional and i gotta do this and this where yeah something that can give you help in that regard can inspire you to do something even more that said pro who does it every single day Uh for you know 12 hours a day uh would deliver you know yes i think that's awesome i think it gives you a like a good tool to be able to move forward and and be creative i think it unlocks not everything has to be defined as uh, i gotta i gotta make this the best it has to be i gotta make this the best it has to be I think yeah it gives you a great tool to get you past set humps and you can unlock something that maybe wouldn't be there if you had to be perfect in that regard mm-hmm so I think that's awesome to hear that they have something out there like that. Yeah, it definitely inspires you to practice because that's what you need to do. Like, no, Even with the best program in the world, you still got to just practice, practice, practice. Um, and it's a lot easier to get motivated to practice when you like what you're looking at, what you just created. Instead of thinking, wow, this is like totally terrible. Like, I don't enjoy looking at this. I don't see anything that I did good. Maybe you see like, oh, I, I like that line I drew there, which might not have happened if you had like, we're using Photoshop over Krita, for example, and you're sure. like, maybe I can do this. Yep. And then you keep drawing and you get better and better and that just feeds on itself and you exactly. make a habit of practice. And after a little while, it's like, you're just doing it every day and you're just going to be improving for years as long as you keep doing it. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Now I keep it going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, that's my Krita story. Like, I don't have too much uh, video game news because... I've been waiting, um, I basically decided to just, because I finished my current games in my backlog right as Elden Ring was about to come out, but Elden Ring was like so hyped up, I almost, I'm like kind of like a hipster, and if everyone's excited for something, it kind of makes me less excited for it personally, so I'm like, I'm just going to draw for a couple weeks and wait for the hype to die down, the hype still hasn't died down, everyone's still totally crazy about Elden Ring, so I've been getting, you know, great practice drawing, which I've really enjoyed, um, Hopefully I'll have some more news on the video game front eventually. You know, maybe I can talk with Ian in a future episode about Elden Ring. But moving on, that's my info on drawing recently. Uh, I'm curious what uh, the rest of the the Blocks members think of um, electronic vehicles, EVs, with, you know, I'm sure everyone knows that's listening, at least in the U.S. I'm pretty sure around the world uh, gas prices are on a steep rise, steep incline. And so a lot of governments, um, and I know as a U.S. citizen, our government has been like, just buy an EV, you know. Um, I'm curious what everyone thinks about EVs, what they think about EVs compared to, 
combustion engine vehicles. Um, I guess starting off personally, I just like combustion engines more um, for a number of reasons. Uh, more practical, in terms of more practical reasons, um, the ability to quickly refuel in just a couple minutes. You know, you go maybe a couple hundred miles, your car is out of gas, you just spend like three or four minutes refueling and you're good for hundreds of more miles. Um, I love, of course, the sound of engines. I'm not someone that would put a extra loud exhaust on any of my cars unless I had like a, a super fancy car or something. Mm. Um, but I just like the, the, the gurgle and the, the noise of combustion engines. When, when I hear this running, I, I know it's working. Yeah. Whether it sounds like crap or sounds awesome. This, yeah. This vehicle is running at this time. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. And then on the more um, less practical, more personal side, I, I'm definitely someone that enjoys the experience of driving. I know a lot of people think of driving as just like a nuisance. It's just like get from point A to point B. Like give me a Tesla with the autopilot so I can just like be on my phone. I don't have to pay attention. For me personally, I like kind of like working a car to get it to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I have a manual. Uh, I learned to drive manual recently, and that was, like, a, a great decision. I know a lot of people that probably grew up with manuals think it's, like, boring, and it's like, oh, I'm so glad I got an automatic. But I personally am totally fine with having to constantly shift and stop and go traffic because every other type of driving besides stop and go traffic for me is just better with sure. a manual. You know, you get more control over your car. Way more control. Yeah. Way more control. Being able to interact with your vehicle, you know, around here it's snowy all the time. If I'm going uphill, I get to decide what gear the vehicle's yes. in. The vehicle's not telling me. That's and super useful. Oh, yeah. Wicked. Mm. Wicked. And if you want, you know, you can rev it or something like that. You right. know, you, yeah. can, you get your own choice over how fuel efficient you want to be. Like, when do you want to shift? At what, what rotations per minute do you want to shift? So... That's basically my take on it because I know we're it's getting harder and harder to find manual cars. I think it's only like one in five or one in twenty Americans know how to drive manual. Um, I like I think for pickup trucks too, like because I was wondering if I would get a pickup truck for my next vehicle, um, like sometime in the future. This would be years in the future, but right now there's only two new pickup trucks with manual, which is the Jeep something it's like the jeep pickup truck and then jeep the toyota gladiator maybe maybe yeah. yeah and then the toyota tacoma yep and like i like toyota but i hear that the tacoma isn't really like in terms of like compared to dodge and ram trucks it's kind of on like the lower end it's like not very popular i don't know much sure sure but i mean it's the only one that comes with manual so that's the one i would get if i was buying new you know well, you know and that's a selling point for vehicles as well yeah you know someone wants an automatic someone wants a manual mm-hmm. um no, I think having a manual transmission gives you way more control than you do with an automatic transmission. I think, you know, I think automatic transmission vehicles are sold today with sport mode, and you you huck this thing into S on the steering <laughs> column, and now you have two <clears throat> Nintendo Wii-like paddles on the back of your steering oh, wheel. Yeah. And, the shifters, man. Yeah, I don't like you know, those. It, there's, there's a clutch that's missing from that situation. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know. I grew up in a household where my mother always told me, if you can drive a manual, you can drive anything. Mm-hmm. You can operate any piece of machinery. And I, I'm classic. I'm a very classic person. 
I, I prefer a manual transmission. There you go. I remember driving around with Tim a whole bunch of times and different vehicles I've had and shifting all over the place. But mm-hmm. um, the only reason I don't have an automatic, uh, excuse me, a manual vehicle at this point is uh, I have a significant other in my life and she does, she can, but does not really. Sure. She's, she's not as interested in driving a manual as I. Yeah. You know. You got to make sacrifices for your significant other. Yeah, of sure. course. So. Well, and if you need a ride home, sometimes. Yeah. You know, you got to get that thing from point A to point B. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. I think uh, when it comes to electric vehicles, uh, I think that that's something that I would have a hard time with. I understand the need to eventually switch to it for, you know. For the for the betterment of the world or mm-hmm. whatever, but yeah, you know, I'm, um, I can't remember if you spoke to this, but the inconvenience of having to plug it in is something that I didn't. But that's a very good point. Yeah, something that obviously doesn't appeal to me. I'm also someone that doesn't really like change, so I'm not. I don't know. I'm the same way. Yeah, I'm not big on change. I'm big on pro environment, pro this and pro that. And if I make any this is hitting very close to my heart space. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't come today to have, I don't know any facts and <laughs> I, I'm a very open-minded person. So through emails to, you know, the email address, I'd love to be educated. Uh, but energy is energy and it needs to come from somewhere. And I think what people often forget, not that I'm not crapping on EVs. I'm not at all. I'm, I'm an electrician <laughs> I, I'm pro electricity. I'm pro alternative uh, resources, alternative fuels. But you know, the power plant has the hydro dam, and the power plant has windmills, and the power plant has you know solar support. But we also burn a lot of natural gas, and we burn a lot of other fossil fuels to create electricity. Mm-hmm. So, in in the regard of trying to power our vehicles today, uh, you know, thinking that we're not burning through fossil fuels, there is an extent of burning fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I, I'm pro-technology as well, though. I, I like to see cool things happen. I like to see cool gadgets. That's what I'm into. And uh, to me, an EV vehicle today is a cool gadget that saves you money at the pump but I think it's a double-edged sword where it potentially could also you know still be affecting the environment at the same time so, mm. but again please educate me because I am not as well versed as the listeners might be and very open-minded to learn a few things so send some emails in about that please well, I want to let you you guys talk, uh, Nick and Tim. Uh, but one thing I just want to add on top of that is that I think is important to mention because it's a big argument against EVs currently, mm-hmm. not forever, just currently, is the infrastructure just is not in place yet. Like, look at California where they say, you know, don't charge your EV between 3 and 9 p.m. And EVs take like two hours to charge, you know? So it, it, it's like what are these people going to do? I mean, they work all day and then they go home in their EV and it's like 5 p.m. the middle of the no no electricity used hours because of these rolling blackouts California has. Um, yeah. And that's also because they just can't get enough electricity 
as is with people using combustion engines. So what is, um, I think we need like, we need more, a more steady and reliable supply of, energy, of electricity before we, to, before everyone goes like 100% EV and no more combustion engines. Yeah, it's like just because most of the most of the forms that are used to generate electricity right now are very dependent on the weather. You know, whether it's solar or wind, like you need the wind to blow, you need the sun to shine. If there's clouds or it's a still day, you're not generating any electricity. And like the nuclear energy plants are very, you know, unsafe things to have around. Oh, really? Okay, okay. I'm interested in nuclear energy because I've actually heard that there is the whole like. Uh, Fukushima, right? Or uh, what is it? Uh, Chernobyl and stuff I mean, like that. I, I'm kind of a fan of the whole nuclear fission concept. Because well, um, it makes steam. It doesn't make like smog, like combustion. It like it literally is like water vapor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very it's clean. Chemical reactions yeah. that are happening, not combustion. It's not flame. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the potential for like the fallout right it's the potential fallout that would worry me sure in that aspect of like that's i know the the probability of it isn't necessarily super high but if if something goes wrong wrong, that's 40 50 60 years that is just that land is no dead space it's wasteland Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think um that's like definitely a problem i think nuclear energy would probably have to be like one of the most regulated things on earth with like all the safeties that you could imagine and stuff um but if they could get it safe i think that would just be like the number one option like hands down but as it is right now as you mentioned like there's potential for a lot to go wrong so you got to iron that out first mm-hmm. yes 100 percent. yeah so uh anything else from you peter that you um, wanted to talk about this that's, week? That's everything. Um, what do you think, Nick? What, what's your opinion on EVs? You know? I, I honestly haven't put a lot of thought into them. Mm-hmm. I, like my Su- I like my Subaru. Yeah. Um, I like my Subaru, too. <laughs> I, I like that I just put gas in it and it just keeps going. Um, but I can see the upsides of lower combustion with the electric vehicles and, and whatnot but mm-hmm. i lived in california oh, okay and not in a densely populated area and was still uh affected by rolling blackouts frequently oh okay so, so even in the less populated areas you're saying there's like electricity problems in california oh de- most definitely okay uh I, granted i lived like 40 50 minutes outside of la and that's a big part of it there's Mm -hmm. like 14 million people that live in a 14 mile area yeah it's that's a lot of people oh yeah but figure this shit out somebody smarter than me can do it i know it yeah (laughs) it's a lot of it's a lot of cooling right la is hot california's hot you gotta have acs Either, oh yeah, that's right. That in the windows, or or you have a uh, wall hung AC unit, or the whole entire house is or, or building central you know, air has central air. That's correct, yeah. right? So that costs energy, and you it's taxing on power plants. And again, power plants can mean all sorts of things: burning fossil fuels, uh, green energy, blah 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 blah. 
But still, energy has to come from somewhere. So these blackouts are caused by the demand. Mm -hmm. And on paper, somebody knows that the demand at 4 p.m. on a Friday is huge (laughs) because everyone's at work, but also people are at home and everyone's, it's 100 degrees outside. Yeah. And let alone lights, this, 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 and this. And, um, yeah, energy demand is huge. Energy comes from somewhere. I, uh, um, again, pro-green energy. I hope they figure out something Mm -hmm. that is extremely functional or a new standard that can be brought upon to today to make everything easier and make things easier for the environment and be easier on people's pocketbooks too yeah and um, and the potential for that is definitely there it's there but there's more work to do too there's plenty of work to do yeah right on all right so let's uh let's move on to the next block here so next up we have nicholas he's going to talk to us about some video games he's been playing i believe yes uh that was my plan i'm actually going to start with uh the new cat that we just got recently um we inherited him from megan's dad he just not able to take care of it anymore so we took him on and he's been an angry grumpy old man he's (laughs) like 11 years old uh, declawed so that's at least a plus that with as grumpy as he is we can still pet him and whatnot we just have to worry about him biting us Oh yeah, but he's been quarantined because we don't have any uh, any medical records or anything like that. So just trying to be safe with our other pets, make sure that none of them will have any problems or him from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, vet appointment in a couple of weeks. Great. Does the cat have a sweet name? His name is Buddy. 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 Okay. That's yes. a great name for a grumpy old cat. It's it's fantastic, <laughs> and he's a he's a Maine Coon cat, so oh, he's okay. he's big and. He has lots of fur. He just actually got shaved today and looks kind of like a lion. It's hilarious. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's got a little mane going. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and boots. The oh. And boots. The mane's got a mane going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on that note, uh, we'll get into some games. Uh, I did see credits roll in Pokemon Arceus. Uh, I didn't finish any of like the end game or most of the end game story stuff. Uh couple of other games started grabbing my interest since I saw the credits roll and whatnot. I was like, oh, I can pick this up and play it a little bit here and there. Have they announced any DLC for Ar- Arceus yet? They announced one thing of DLC. Uh, it opened up some more trainer battle aspects to the game, which I know myself included, a lot of P players wanted it because mm-hmm. uh, I thought the battle system was fantastic in in that game just it it makes more of your type um differences and weaknesses matter as opposed to it being just level based you can still be 20 levels higher than something but if you're using a move that it's strong against then you still suck (laughs) (laughs) overall pretty good game though right yeah uh i and they, they, they announced the, the two new, uh, the next generation of it, uh, Scarlet and Violet. Um, 
Yeah, like the day after we <clears throat> The we day recorded. after our last podcast. Oh, what's this? Is this going to be the sequel to this open world kind of nope. new style of Pokemon? Uh, or is it more traditional Pokemon where it's like top down, uh, you know, you go square by square. It's like tile based and stuff. So it's supposed to be open world uh, taking the Arceus concepts and having like even flow, no loading screens, going into towns or anything like that. They haven't gotten into the battle system yet, or the catching concept. Uh, oh, okay. To into detail yet? From some of what I've read on it, it seems like they might go back to the older aspect of actually having to get into a battle to catch something. Okay. And so this is, this is very early on in like development. They just basically announced it and had like a tra- like a non gameplay trailer. Yeah, just the three starters. Okay, okay. So people don't know too much besides right. like what they might have put out to the press. Yeah, there's a grass cat, a fire crocodile, and a duck with a hat. <laughs> there you the, go. Those are your starters. Ducks with hats are cool. <laughs> right. I like that. Yeah. I know a lot of people get very passionate about starters, and they like love or hate them. For me yeah. personally, um, most of the starters... I don't have that like that refined taste that someone who's been playing Pokemon for a long time has. So when people like are either loving the starters or hating them, I'm like, they just look the same as like the last three generations. I don't know what you guys are like so impassioned about, but I always find that funny how people like are very feel very strongly about the stars. It's great to hear people like either roast them or like gush over them. Yeah, yeah, and. Are they good or stupid, in your opinion, for this one, for this gen? I'm interested in the... I've always been a fan of the fire starters uh, in, in most of them. Uh, I think the only time I went with the grass starter was Rowlet and Sun and Moon. Okay. Um, just because I thought it was cool to have a grass owl. You didn't like the bunny that played... The fire bunny that played soccer? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah that was... That was Sword and Shield, though. Oh, what one did you say? Sun Sorry. and Moon. Gotcha. That was when you were in Alola. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard rumors that a lot of the times they make the... I think the fire, it might be the water, but I think it's the fire starter. Kind of the easy to play one, and they also make it look the coolest. And they kind of make the grass one for veterans. It's a bit harder. It's a bit trickier to make it work with its abilities. It's usually the less like cool design and more of a weird design would you agree with that or is that totally like incorrect it in my opinion that all depends like in blue and red choosing charmander from the beginning your first couple of gyms would be much more difficult oh starting out harder okay than choosing either of the other two okay but your end game stuff was much easier with him just the, the move sets that you got were much better. That's a cool his, trade-off. His overall stats, I think, were much better. Um, he could get moves that pretty much everybody else was weak to, so you were able to overpower just about everybody. Okay. Dude, everybody knows by now. You catch a Caterpie, turn it into a Butterfree, and that's what you take to the first gym. All right. Yep. That's what you do. You take Charmander. <laughs> Common strategy by now. Gotcha. Uh, I wouldn't know because you know I haven't really played any Pokemon games, but it's yeah, that's true. You are a lot younger, or a little bit younger than us too. So mm-hmm. Probably didn't 
weren't around for the red and blue craze, right? Or it was a little before your time. A, a little before my time, yeah. 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 Right on. In those, and I, like I've watched some speedrunners do some of the Pokemon games, and and from what I know, it's all just like there's one starter that's the best for that generation for speedrunning in particular. Oh, okay. Be okay. it. Uh, I don't know that any of the grass ones have been that. It's I've always seen it be either the water or the fire. Okay. Um, I assume grass is like has more niche like strengths and weaknesses that aren't as applicable as fire and water. That's probably is that why. In in those, I I think it's more the aspect of what gyms come oh, up okay. and and the type differences that you'll run into because they're generally just grabbing like one extra Pokemon and that's it. Gotcha. They're just okay. rolling with one through all of it. Wow. But moving on from the Pokemon topic, I started a new PS2 game. Well, not new to me. I played it in high school and picked it up again a few years ago and in my move out to California, just kind of lost track of it. Ratty out of stories. This game is a lot of fun. Uh, There's 177 recruitable characters in it. Wow. I'm actually following a guide to help in that aspect because I just think it would be cool to recruit at least as many as I can without losing my mind and pulling my hair out trying to do the ridiculously hard ones. Oh, okay. Um, so you're not going to go for all of them, but you're going to go for all the reasonable ones, it sounds like. Yeah, there's a New Game Plus option in it because there's two separate paths that like two-thirds into the game you have to make a choice and characters from one side are just no longer available or the other side um so i haven't actually made my decision on who which path i'm gonna go but up to this point i've recruited like 68 people out of the 177 um and i've played like 30-ish hours. Oh, okay. So, so it seems like a big game, then. Yeah, I, I looked on how long to beat one of uh, a good site when I pick up a new game just to see, like, okay, an expectation of how long I might invest. And they put for, like, the completionist, it was, like, the average was, like, 108 hours. I'm not looking to spend that much time because the new game plus aspect allows you to get that new game or carry over your friends list and stuff like that mm-hmm. to be able to fill out the rest of it from the people you missed in your previous playthroughs. But I just think it's kind of cool that that's an option. Yeah. Uh, I'm really just kind of looking to play through the story itself. And then if I pick it back up in five or ten years, I can just new game plus it and carry stuff over and sure. finish all of that. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's actually a pretty unique mechanic, right? You don't really see that in many games where there's tons. Basically, any person that you see throughout that world, you can recruit. It's not a given, but, you know, the only other game that comes to mind is the Suikoden series uh, from PlayStation. Um, But what what were you going to say? What about Fire Emblem? Is is it kind of like Fire Emblem? Because the one Fire Emblem game I've played was three houses for the Switch. Mm-hmm. And in that game, you can basically recruit everyone besides, like, the, like, yeah, two, very blatant two people, main two people from, like, each faction or something like that. Well, actually, it's, um, it's, so, with the name of the game, Three Houses, it's, like, there's three houses that each have a set of characters, and you choose which one you pick in the mm-hmm. beginning of the game, and you get them automatically, 
And then if you, like, you can recruit anyone from the other two houses if you get their, like, relationship up with you enough. Oh, yeah. So it's, like, I thought that was really cool because it's, like, if you really, if you thought someone in a different house was, like, well, that person's really cool. I want them on my team. You can get them. And uh, so it just kind of sounds like yeah, I I would too. I would kind of compare it to that in the recruiting aspect, um, not so much the overall battle itself. Okay. Uh, active, active battle, uh, kind of just hit the circle button and kill enemies. Okay. Um, I am quite a ways over leveled right now, but gotcha. <clears throat> so it's not too bad. You're you're making steady progress through it. Oh yeah. You're not hitting any blocks yeah the i run out of gold a lot oh okay that's the one difficult thing mm. but that's kind of any rpg yeah oh yeah yeah and then i picked up triangle strategy this week and i've played about five or six hours of that i'm uh probably two hours past where the demo left off and overall enjoying that game still feel like the decisions you make weigh into everything i've noticed in battles choices you make will affect the convictions that you have and that also affects characters that you can recruit throughout the course of the game helps lead through your path and all that so mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun i look forward to to finishing that out um in the tactics style that it is mm-hmm. yeah cool Anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. That's, I think, all I have. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing. I'm glad that you have some video game stuff to report. I always enjoy hearing about that. Mm. Yeah, and then a couple of weeks, you'll have updates on all that stuff, right? Because you'll still be playing it all. So. Yeah, I'll, ha- I'll have some more updates. I would like to think that maybe I can finish the actual story of Radiata Stories, but yeah. I've also probably spent... 12 hours of that 30 just finding people (laughs) that I don't necessarily need having to sit there and wait for a particular point in time for the people to be available because you have to meet different requirements and whatnot but gotta recruit them all trying (laughs) and I'm probably not even gonna use half of them yeah it's just just kind of to say that I did yeah cool all right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next block. So we're going to be doing our guest today, Justin. All right. Hello, so hello. Pretty interested in hearing what you got to, oh, got yeah. to say today. What's going on? Oh, not too much. How about yourself? <laughs> waiting, for, waiting for the dominoes to get here. Yeah, I hear you there, bud. Um, yeah. What you got for us? Yeah, uh, I don't know. My name's Justin. Uh, good friends with Tim. Uh, known Nick for a little bit. And Peter and I are meeting each other here physically. Yeah, for like the first time. Um, you know, it, listening to the podcast, I know I know Tim's direction. I, I know every, I know what he's trying to do, and you know I support it wholeheartedly, and I always support his friends and interests, and it's just a pleasure to be a part of that. So you know, I just want to recognize that and want to share. Um, you know video games I've listened to the past couple episodes and I've been I told these guys earlier tonight I'm, I'm shoveling snow with my earbuds in <laughs> listening to the show and I'm like man I want to talk about this I want to talk about that uh, but um, you know just a general generalization of myself I love online games I love 
Metal Gear Solid. You know, I just want to shout out to Metal Gear Solid as being the best video game of all time. Nice. That's, wow. a, good, that's a good game to have. Is yeah. Number one. It's, it's awesome. I'm a nostalgic person, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I love classic games, and I love what today's video games are becoming because of these classic games that have already paid that homage. Like things are seriously growing and becoming more involved and super fun to play or live vicariously through my friends who are playing these games. <clears throat> super excited to hear about Elden Ring. I'm not gonna personally join on playing that uh, mm-hmm. for similar reasons Peter mentioned earlier, but I think that there's other people who are going to be playing that who can give a little more insight than what my experience will deliver yep. to talking about that game. Yeah, I'm in that boat too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I'm here hanging out with my friends here in Portland, Maine. You know, it's a little... Portland. Yeah, Portland. And a little chilly outside and whatnot. But it's just uh, good to be hanging out with my friends face-to-face in public. And, you know, the format of the show, I don't know if anyone knows, but these guys have been doing things remotely. So it's it's very excellent to just have a small group of people here together enjoying themselves yes, on a sir. Saturday evening. Absolutely. Um, I had the pleasure of going out into Portland last night. Mm-hmm. I got to go to Aura. Yep. Saw the Marcus E. King Band. Uh, he's like a southern rock uh, it's almost like a new age almond brothers but you know someone gave birth to a kid who was 17 years old and decided to be a rock legend and is just completely nasty on guitar I've seen him I don't know four times or something like that but last night was wonderful Uh, the world's progressing I got to be in a public place to go see the show. I can remember, you know, uh, when I was, I'm a very avid concert goer, so I'll talk about that as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was a day when everyone knows what happened, but there was a day when someone said, yeah, things are going on in the world, so we can't go hang out in public. Mm-hmm. And this show last night to me was more of. Uh, people getting used to being back in public and the the show was awesome the musicianship was awesome uh it was just a little overcrowded i feel like the show was oversold <laughs> i feel like too many tickets were given out and, sure you know uh there was some conflict in the public at the show at the venue you know? oh revolving yeah. around what uh it's like you couldn't even move your left toe without someone getting angry at you about it you know and i i i can say there was zero room in this place again what venue was that at again that was at aura Aura, uh awesome place best sound in portland if you want to go see a live show in portland maine i totally vote going there the band will sound awesome or crappy their sound system picks up everything. They they do a great job at making that happen. But it, it was just a lot of people, and you know, I think I've, I've heard you guys talk about people coming, moving to Maine, stuff like that. And I couldn't tell if like 
you know, we have some transplants that have come to Maine who uh, are just getting out in public and then trying to take advantage of the wonderful things we have. Um, and, you know, bringing, we have, we have a culture here in Maine and I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud to go see live music. And, uh, you know, I just hope everyone can be just as patient as they were three years ago or four years ago or five years ago, go to shows and stuff like that. Just, we're all there to experience the same thing together. And uh, we're all there to support each other too. So, you know, if, if you're having a bad night, look at your neighbor at a concert and you know, we'll take care of you and do whatever it takes to make sure you're having just as good of a time as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, again, the music was phenomenal. The venue is phenomenal. I will never, I'm not ever going to crap on that place. Yeah. But it's just very, very crowded. Very, very negative vibe. It's kind of weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So I know it seems like you're trying to be nice. Let me let me see. Uh, was some some rich hurried new yorker causing problems or something yeah you know i i you know someone from massachusetts or something (laughs) (laughs) you know all these people that migrated up here when covid hit i don't i can assume that and i can be prejudiced against stuff like that (laughs) and i'll tell you too you know if that's who you are and that's what happened again come hang out we're Mm -hmm. gonna take care of you no problem all inviting uh it just it was a lot of attitude. It was like more than normal. Oh, okay. More than normal. There's like, an agitated atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, crowd. this guy's ripping so Marcus E. King. Guy's ripping solos. I I study this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I come, I pay oh. mad money to go and watch this, just to watch what's happening. You know, and it's just everyone's bumping into each other. Everyone's upset about everything. Mm. Just want to have a good it's time. It's gonna happen though, right? In yeah, such a crowded venue, and you're gonna you're gonna bump into people. One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I don't go to too many concerts personally, uh, but I mean, I imagine that's like kind of part of the culture. Is like you're gonna be close to people. You're gonna be sweating on each other. Exactly. Exactly. And everyone's sensitive to not sweating on each other. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to do that. But again. It was just a weird, weird vibe last night. Gotcha. Been in, I'm 36, turning 37. I've been going to shows since I was 14 years old. This is this isn't the example of having a bad time. Okay, but, but, but still a little mediocre. It's like, man, just just be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone be happy. Yeah, um, I had the opposite experience a couple months ago when we went to a Daft Punk tribute concert. Yeah. Oh, that was a cool. great time. Which was at the same venue, correct? Yes. Yeah, at Aura. Yeah. Yeah. So probably a little less packed, but. But but you felt that you know there was uh, camaraderie or everyone was sure. there at oh, a good yeah. time. Everybody, I think everybody was messed up on drugs. That was there. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> it was a great show though, yeah. overall, and it. I mean, I had the opposite effect. Like, I felt like there was more than enough room. Until everybody just started crowding just the the floor right in front of the stage. Sure, mm. sure. But, but yeah, you're right though. Now that COVID is, the restrictions are starting to loosen up. They're selling more and more tickets. Things are, are going to get busier and busier. 
So, I mean, it's kind of up to if people are comfortable with dealing with that kind of situation. Or yeah, not. I, I think we're all figuring it out, you know. We're getting yeah. back into the grind of what it was supposed to be or what it was sure. or this, 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 and that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, phenomenal show. I'm just so used to, even if a crowd was that crowded, I'm just so used to having there be like, oh, shit, I'm sorry, I bumped into you oh shit i'm sorry i want to go get a beer yeah cool i'm definitely cool that i will make sure that i'm gonna make you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or or get you to where your destination is you want to get that beer i'm gonna definitely give you the direct path to making that happen but there are other people out that don't have that same expectation yeah it was like for christ's sakes if i looked at you wrong twice Mm. or something like that everybody (laughs) just wanted to kick the shit out of each other it's just wild yeah. Wow. You know, I've never, I, I have experienced that, but I, I couldn't believe yeah. that it was like that. Uh, so, yeah. Should have started like a mosh pit or something. The I songs. mean, it might as well have been, you know. Throw some bows, dude. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, again, phenomenal musician, phenomenal venue, phenomenal Portland, Maine, awesome. Um, yeah. That's what I have to say about that. All right. Did you say you wanted to touch on maybe talking about some gear that you were interested in yeah, or something like that? So, yeah, to, to geek out a little bit. Yep. Uh, Marcus King, he's, again, phenomenal guitar player, phenomenal musician. Uh, he's sponsored by Orange Amplifiers. Uh, it's some equipment that I use personally myself. I love orange. I love aesthetically how it looks. I, I love how it plays. Uh, you know, I was talking to Tim earlier today. Deftones have now recently become sponsored by Orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just phenomenal products that allow a musician to do what they truly want to do. And it's just fun to geek out and be in Portland last night and to see a whole stage filled with Again, these these products that what is an orange um, product like a much better compared to like a Marshall or I, you I, know similar? I think they're two totally different things. Understood. Um, I think Marshall's phenomenal too. Yep. But unless someone was to put their ear on both or play with both, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think one is better than the other by any means. But they may have different. They emit different sounds. They definitely have different characteristics, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, to somebody like me, though, listening, you wouldn't be able to probably tell the difference, right? Uh, I think to the general public, there, you you wouldn't be able to hear a huge difference. Yeah. You know. But there's also something to be said for their their craftsmanship too, right? And making good, sturdy quality. Yeah, 100%. I think Marshall and Orange, it's funny you said Marshall. I think Marshall, they're a British, British amp, amplifier manufacturer. So is an Orange, and the two of them have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Again, no comparison. Yep. Uh, but they do possess their own sounds. I, I, this, this term, Doom, the, the Doom, Doom music, uh, classically... Black Sabbath could be referred to as doom music. It has a sludgy guitar sound. I think 
orange enables that type of sound then a lot of people who enjoy performing that type of music go towards orange I guess sure um, it allows for to reach that more that range a little bit more yeah sure. yeah but what's super fun too is uh, in stereotypically this this brand orange who does all the sludgy doom type stuff that mm-hmm. all these guys are that's that's the go-to I got this blues musician, you know, Marcus E. King last night, Portland, Maine, again, endorsed by Orange, just completely nailing blues stuff, you know, instead of the sludgy, detuned, dark-ass music, you know, he's, he's making people dance around, too, so I thought that sure. was kind of cool. Yeah. You just saw it. When you see an Orange product, uh, obviously it's Orange. You see it on the stage, you geek out a little bit, and, mm-hmm. you know... Everybody likes their toys, and it's cool to see uh, those toys on stage. Sure. That's it. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, anything else that you wanted to... This is your chance, for maybe for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> anything else you wanted to talk about? No, again, I'm just happy to be hanging out with my friends, so... Absolutely. That's all yeah, that thanks for joining to us tonight. Thanks yeah. for hanging out. Appreciate thanks for listening to my baloney. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Anytime, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess... Uh, I'm going to jump into my block of time here. Um, you know, just real quick, I'll get my, you know, my quick thing out of the way. I just, you know, I, I mentioned that I bought Monarch a couple of weeks ago. PS5, turn-based strategy RPG. I uh, didn't want to really get into it too much because uh, I wanted to talk about my other thing more. But I just wanted to say that I'm really liking it a lot. And I'll go into more detail uh, on the next episode. But uh, just I'm like maybe f- fifteen to twenty hours in. I've only been playing for like a week too. I've been, it, you know, wow. it, uh, I get lost in time. It sucks me right in. It's it's really cool. It's it's definitely one of those games where you're like, you know, just one more, just one more, and then when you're finished, you're like, eh, just one more. Next thing you know, it's midnight. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's um, how I felt the last week with Radiata Stories. Just yeah. like. Oh, just recruit one more person. Yeah. It'll be quick. It'll be quick. And sure. it's never quick. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. But but hey, the important thing is we're having fun and oh, yes. and being responsible, still getting up to go to work and stuff like that. So, yeah. You know. Nothing nothing too bad happening there. But um yeah, the main topic I wanted to go over today was um I finally finished uh logging all my games on the price charting. So I just wanted to give an update on that and talk about some of the some of the games that are on the list, I guess. Um, see if you guys have ever played them and stuff like that. So um, so I ended up having a total count of 170 games. So that's just all physical games, in mostly in boxes, but a couple of loose ones. So um, I don't know if that's a lot or not, but it's fair, it man. seems... You know, pretty good. Yeah. What um, what systems do you have those on, Tim? So I'd say a, a majority of my games are on PS2, but I have them across uh, basically, you know, everything but Xbox systems. So I've got um, all of the Playstations, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and quite a few games from Nintendo systems. I don't think I have any GameCube games, but I pretty much, you know, I have... Um, the Wii, the Wii U, the Switch, 
Super Nintendo, NES. So, uh, and then I have DS games, 3DS, Sega Genesis. So pretty much all over the place. Um, but yeah, mainly I mainly like to collect for uh, the PS2 system. That's uh, the first system I had. That's what I played in high school. I'm pretty m nostalgic for it and uh, really like that that a lot. So, um, but yeah, so 170 physical games um, worth uh, for $4,700 basically. A little over that. So, I mean, you know, pretty good chunk of change. I do want to say over the past couple of days, um, that, that's been dropping, right? Because it was cl closer to five grand, uh, like maybe a week ago. Mm. But, you know, th this is something I wanted to hit on a little bit. Um, you know, when COVID first started, there was um, lots of people going out and buying old games that they were nostalgic for because they were stuck inside. And the the prices of those games shot through the roof. Mm. You know, so if you look at some of the games in my collection, uh, just very very expensive. It was cool to see, but now that that's starting to go away, some of these prices are starting to drop, and which is good for if you're looking to attain the games. Not so good if you already own them. But um, but you know, I, for me, it's more about owning them and look like liking to look at them and that kind of stuff. It, and the value is like a secondary type of thing, but it is pretty cool though. So yeah, almost five thousand dollars over one hundred and seventy games, and then I thought it'd be cool to go over my top five and my like least five, I guess. So the le the least five are funner. So I'll start with the top. So coming in uh, at a hundred and or sorry, two hundred and seventy five bucks, I have a brand new sealed copy of Xenosaga three for PS two. Which is pretty cool. I don't know. That's an RPG. I don't know. I know Nicholas knows about that. You guys probably have never heard of that before. Um, I have a sealed copy of Suikoden Three that's worth 180 bucks. That's the uh, the second highest game that I have. And then uh, the third highest one is for PS4, the Trails of Cold Steel game. And again, it's sealed and new. Um, Shadow Hearts, which we've talked about on the podcast a little bit. It's a PS2 RPG. That one's worth $144. And number five. I did this kind of backwards. I wanted to go the other way. <laughs> but um, So I have another Trails of Cold Steel game we'll, and Shadow Hearts game, so we'll call that a package. Next one down is Wild Arms 4 for PS2. It's another RPG. So um, those are the f uh, five highest they're most expensive games that I own. And then, if we go down to the bottom of the list, mm. womp womp, starting with the least expensive game I own. This game costs $4.49 <laughs> for the PS3. We mean Bean. Huh? Mean Bean. Mean Bean. No, that's more, believe it or not. No, we got uh, Borderlands 2. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Did you play that at all, Peter? Any of the I, Borderlands games? I played all of Borderlands 1, and I played yeah. a tiny bit of 2, and yeah. I had to stop playing 2 because the writing and the dialogue was so obnoxious. Yeah. So this... Yeah, again. So when that game came out, it was very hyped up, very popular, but, you know, go, looking back on it, maybe not the best game ever. Maybe some cringy writing and characters. Also sold 
a kajillion copies. Yeah. So yeah. it's um, not rare, right? So it's not going to be very expensive. Correct. And and not wanted or sought after really yeah, by yeah. many people. So so yeah. Again, I should have gone in reverse order, but uh, so the next one we're coming in at five dollars and ten cents. Hot Shots Golf Three oh. for the PS Two. Remember you, playing the original, man. Hot Shots Golf? Oh, definitely. Was that a PS1 game? I believe it was. Yeah. Yep, I remember playing the demo for that game. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, you know, the newest uh, Hot Shots game is called Everybody's Golf. And me and Nick, there was a while, a couple of years ago, where we were, like, addicted to that game. We were playing it constantly. Mm. You know, we almost kept, almost daily. Daily, we have a book where we keep our matches logged in. That's cool. Yeah, Tim's yeah. up like two to one as far as our total gameplay right now. So you gotta have to get after him, dude. <clears throat> yeah, I try play more yeah. to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll do the rest here. Five dollars and thirty-five cents. Final Fantasy X two. So, PS2 game, you know, this is probably cheap again because they sold a billion copies, and I don't think it's something that's really sought after. That was kind of an unpopular game, right? X2 was the uh, all-female cast, yeah, right? Yeah, the follow-up to a very highly regarded game. Okay, did people, like, really like X, but they didn't like X2? Is that kind of what happened? Yeah. Well, okay. I, I played it when it came out in high school, and, like, I had fun with it. But it was the same three characters the whole time that you yeah. played that as, and while they were cool and interesting, it wasn't the typical Final Fantasy that I think fans wanted or okay. thought that it would be at the time. And I think a big part of it being that price too is they remastered it for the PS3 and the PS4. Oh, okay. So and it, that all came in one disc with. Final Fantasy X itself mm-hmm. so it like it, it was just one of those I think that's where a lot of people's problems with it were was how the level up system worked and and the battles themselves were oh, okay. kind of clunky you had some weird things that you had to do to be able to do like the limit breaks and gotcha. things like that not to interrupt Tim's list what do you think is the standard for Final Fantasy games like Obviously, it has a huge fan base. What do you think is the one Final Fantasy game that everyone's like, don't stray far from this? Maybe six? <sighs> nine? Probably nine, honestly. Yeah? I, I, I don't know that I've heard many people personally speak badly of it. Um, I personally think the story itself is pretty great. The characters overall are pretty pretty fantastic the way you learn skills is pretty cool uh and they incorporated speed running as like a normal aspect of the game like yeah. the developers encouraged you to do that sure. and gave you benefits for trying to speed run the game that's always cool i never personally was able to do it it just i've always thought like oh it would be really cool to do that but it takes the whole RPG element out of, of it for me. Of course. I want to explore everything. I want to find all the treasures. I don't want to just rush to try and get that sword at the end of 12 hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> RPGs to me, like traditional ones, 
And this is one of the reasons why I don't play too many of them. Because whenever I get into one, I'm always braced for, like, a 100 or 200 hour long, like, epic journey. You know what I mean? Something that'll take weeks or months and, like, a heavy time investment. So it, it, it's it's pretty crazy and really skillful how speedrunners get through, our like, traditional RPGs, like JRPGs, in, like, 12 hours or, like, sometimes three hours for what would normally be for me, like, an 80-hour game, you know? Yeah, I know, like, the speedrunners for, like, Final Fantasy VIII, which I know a lot of people hate. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it myself, uh, but that's, like, six, seven hours is, wow. the, is, like, the record for that. I know for, like, GDQ and stuff like that, eight hours is generally eight and a half is what they mm-hmm. estimate people to finish it in. Sure. So. Cool. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> feel free to interrupt anytime. I'll just say so, one more thing. Yes, the please. only thing besides the all-female cast, which I thought was like a cool concept, even if the game wasn't that good, was X2 had like one song that I really liked yeah, during one of the boss fights with like, I don't know, it's like an enemy like girl boss, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought the, the song for that was like super catchy. And then all the other songs were like totally, totally forgettable for me. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably look that song up and listen to it after we're, after we're done here. <laughs> yeah, X Two isn't my backlog, so I'm okay. hoping to eventually give awesome. it a try someday. Yeah, you know, give, yeah. give a report on it. I'll look know, forward to that. It. Yeah. Okay, uh, a couple more games on here from the my least expensive. So coming in at $5.51, we have The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. No surprise there with it having been re-released like 15 times, and it's also probably like one of the biggest selling games of all time. I'm not surprised. It's pretty cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the PS3 version. Okay. Uh, I don't actually see a lot of PS3 games that are worth a lot of money. It seems like... They didn't appreciate very well, did they? No. I don't know why. Maybe just it wasn't... People so, like to joke about the PS3 having no games. I assume that meant they really like didn't have very many like system seller games. You know, like Bloodborne for the PS3 was kind of like the system seller. You like bought a PS3 had, just to play Bloodborne. They had Killzone. That's true. I remember being it's blown away by the demo of that. Yeah, but now, if you look back on it now, it's, like, yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, last game on my list. Coming in at $5.67, South Park, The Stick of Truth. Oh, okay. So this is, like, a, this is a couple-game combo, Stick of Truth and The Fractured Butthole. And, uh, you know, as an RPG fan, I gotta be honest, I think these games are terrible. Oh, okay. Um, I heard a lot of good things about them, so I'm, I'm. It's surprising that you don't like them. So is that coming from people that are like fans of the show, though? Coming that from that kind of perspective. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Because I could see, but as far as like the battle mechanics and stuff like that, I mean, yeah, they're pretty short. You know, maybe like twenty hour games. So okay. I guess if somebody wanted to, if you're a fan of the show and interested in RPGs, then maybe something worth looking into but not you know not something that i enjoyed and i actually played both of the, both of the games stick of truth and the fractured butthole yes thank you that's the one the <laughs> fractured butthole yes exactly yes, exactly that's what a very clever name huh <laughs> oh my God. 
Um, so yeah, that's all I had to say this evening. Uh, does anybody else have anything they wanted to talk about before we eat this pizza behind me? Oh, again, <laughs> I just wanted to take the time to say thank you very much for having me over here and I'm hanging so out with you guys. Yeah, it's been awesome, yeah, Justin. Yeah. Um, thank you for, for doing the audio set, too. Oh, no so, problem. Yes. No was, problem. Yes, that's a big help. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Um... So one more thing, just wanted to remind everybody that's listening, if you've made it this far, um, our, we'd love an email uh, at theblockspodcast.com, and we'll definitely uh, answer it at the... Theblockspodcast at gmail.com. Ooh, good call. <laughs> yeah. See, somebody's listening. Theblockspodcast at gmail.com. Come, come, come. There you go. Yeah, that's the one. So yeah, we'll we'll answer whatever questions you have, including uh, what you know, what color cars we drive, apparently. So uh, yeah, please keep those coming in, and we appreciate everybody's support out there. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Hope everybody has a f- fantastic weekend, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good evening or morning, whenever you listen. Thanks, guys.